This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glenn Lavender. We is recording. Excellent. <clears throat> All righty. I have an eye start this time. <laughs> okay, off you go. Hi. <laughs> this is Shudders Inc. We're a podcast that sometimes talks about photography. We've done a lot of episodes. This is one of them. I think it's 500 and something. What was that? 508. This is episode 508. <laughs> it closely followed up episode 507, <laughs> which, frankly, uh, I don't think was very good. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't remember what we said. I think 506 was pretty good, but I wasn't on it. <laughs> so, welcome. This is, this is Glenn, and I'm in Melbourne, Australia. And the person who does all the work for this show, so you have him to blame, it's Bruce. He's up in Sydney. G'day, Bruce. <laughs> G'day, mate. How are you? <laughs> That's how you do it, isn't it? Something like that. <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. Very. <laughs> I got the name in. <laughs> Did you? Got, you got, I've got Shutters Inc. Your name, my name, and the episode number. I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and realistically, yeah. you know, that's in the headline anyway. <laughs> Shutters Inc. Yeah. Episode 508. <laughs> If people were looking at it before they clicked, they would have known that anyway. So every time you've said that for the last 508 episodes, completely pointless. <laughs> it's redundant, Bruce. Is it? Well, they know it's Shutter's Inc. because they press the button and it's Shutter's Inc. <laughs> and, the, and the thing at the top said what number episode it was. Okay. And there's these doofuses pictures of me and you up there. <laughs> so, you know... About the only time is this will be he's like, oh, today we've got Glenn and no Bruce. <laughs> Look, that, and that'd be called a no episode because he, he's on his record. That's right. How <laughs> uh, uh, have you been? Have you been good? Uh, it's been a week. Really? Is that W E A K or W E E K? Yeah. Or both? It's been a week. Really? <laughs> The uh, the book that I was all excited about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm oh. I'm not excited about that anymore. Why? Oh, I am so freaking over it. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, can't talk out of shop. But let's just say it has dragged on a whole lot longer than it should have, and I'm over it. Tell now. You, <laughs> See, I told you I should have recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> we should do this. This should be our job. You stay at home. Yeah. I stay at home. I read the book. You press record. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, your boss would be happy. Yeah, your business model. A lot less cost in, lot less cost in production and studio. Yeah, I could take the photos for the cover. Yep. You know, we could do the whole lot. We could be a one-stop shop. Yeah, just like the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's, all, it's all your shop. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's been a long, a long, long week. What was the book about again? I can't remember. Oh, uh, a serial killer. Oh, really? S C E R E A L. Yeah, that's so, the one. Yeah, yeah. You got killed by Kellogg's. That's it. Uh, so anyway, and then there was the extra frustration of uh, oh, yeah. there are two product recalls on my Yamaha FJR thirteen hundred. Really? Yeah. Two. And so I got in touch with uh, this fairly large uh, motorcycle store in uh, Parramatta in Sydney who are a Yamaha dealer and 
even though I didn't buy the bike from them, I said, look, I, I want to get these two product recalls done by your team because I know that you have already done many other bikes for these yeah. product recalls, right? So I know that you know what you're doing. So we had organised that I would drop the bike in last Saturday and they would start work on it on Monday. It was going to be a four-day job and they should have been finished it today, Thursday, as we're recording this. And at about quarter to five on Tuesday afternoon, I get a phone call from the workshop manager who tells me, mate, we haven't started on your bike because the guy who was going to do the job called in sick yesterday and today, and we don't know if he's going to show up tomorrow. Oh, God. And so I said, all right, I'll speak to you first thing in the morning. And if you're not going to have it done by the end of the week, then I'll come out on Thursday, Thursday and pick it up because I need it back. So, yeah, so this morning I had to take a trip out to Parramatta and pick up the bike and got it scheduled in for another two weeks down the track. So so that was a, a little bit frustrating. It's not like, it's not like a product recall because the wheel, wheel, wheels fall off. Really, <laughs> is it? Nothing. Not quite, no. So personally, I, I probably would possibly recommend you don't, uh, don't drive. Yeah, no, it's fine to, dr- it's it's not fine one to ride. It's spontaneously combust? Hopefully not that either. Don't park too close to houses in case it catches a fire and takes a house down. Exactly. Is that what is that what the Hyundai's were or something? <laughs> that that was the Samsung Galaxy <laughs> Eight. Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> no, they happened to a couple of cars though. One of the recommendations were to not park it too close to a house. Really? In case, yeah. This was like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. So it's a bad. It's a. It's one of those, It might be the Hyundai Electric Kona. And one or two other ones. Right. There's a problem with the batteries, and the bat- it's, it's really a Phillips problem. So Phillips makes it natural. Oh, okay. Part of the recall recommendation was not to park too close to the houses. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, wow, yeah. It's it been like two in all the world that's got on fire. Yes, right. Small. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Just I thought it's quite a funny part of the recall. Yeah. yeah. Don't park too close to the other things. <laughs> uh, not to be used for indoor or outdoor use. <laughs> Right. <laughs> just to stay safe and so you can get a recall, don't use it at the mall, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. So two two recalls. Yeah. That's, that's not good. Uh, so one's for the second gear, so that and, and that's why it's a four-day job, because they've got to take the entire oh. gearbox apart and replace one cog in the gearbox. <laughs> oh. uh, and then the other one is to do with the rear brake. But neither of these things has caused any issue with my bike, so I, you know... So, yeah, don't feel like it's essential, but if Yamaha wants to do it and they're going to pay for it, oh, well, yeah, let them do it. it. Yeah. So, and if you don't do it in ten years down the track, you want to go sell the bike, and yeah. you can tell it hasn't been done. Then yeah, exactly. Good move. So yeah. So anyway, so so the week from hell. But we do have to celebrate. Do we? The kangaroos getting up last weekend team won a game they won a game but they came from 32 points behind and got up by seven now we should stress that was round nine yeah the last time the kangaroos won was was round nine of 2020 yeah you went a whole season without a win well yeah we it's like 283 games days or something it's uh (laughs) we, we we lost 22 of the last 23 games wow but to be fair it's not that we're the, a basket case that that sounds like. And it's not that we're a basket case like the media's portraying us. No. It's simply the fact that, A, 
but last year they were in lockdown, which was hard for everybody. Of course, yep. Uh, so and they were they were away from home, been living in motel units or whatever yep. in a different state. But we had last year we had seventeen injuries and only had like five of the players to pick from. So we had Jeez. most of our most of our players are out. Yeah, you know. Yep. This year we've got seventeen injuries. Wow. With things like kidney can kidney lumps uh, that could, could be cancerous, uh, uh, bizarre injuries like torn pectoral muscles, which are like a, a three month injury, to rip, just really weird stuff. But it, our core of experienced players, are like three, we've got like three experienced players Jeez. in the team. You know, so it's understandable. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that whole thing about oh, good, we're getting yeah, good games into into you know young and new players, and they get yeah, which yep, is great. Absolutely. And of course, at the end, end of last year, end of last year, our coach tried to kill himself. Yep. And so it left the club. But the week before he did that, they got rid of 13 players. Uh, and, and another two followed us. So 15 of our 42 list, which is you know, wow. a very substantial portion. So yeah, it's just like 10%. <laughs> <laughs> then they get a new coach, all these new players, and then all these injuries again. And, it's like, and the coach is trying to teach a whole new game style. And it's not just the new coach. All the coaches went. All the fitness staff uh, had to be reduced because the, 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 the caps for non-playing personnel, the financial caps have been reduced. So oh. they have like one physio, one doctor, you know, one support person. All, all the support network that coaches used to have does almost doesn't exist. Wow. Yeah. So, so everyone's working under extreme pressure. Yeah. And then having to try and learn. Uh, and the, so they had all these new coaches come in who had to learn what their, what the new head coach wants. And then all the players have got to learn what the new coaches want, and then all the all the coaches have to learn what the players can do. Yeah, you know, so it takes it takes time to start to gel. Absolutely, you know? it's, it's so I expect this to be a basket case for a good other year. So. <laughs> yeah. Because it takes it's a it's a long slow process to yeah when you're coming up against hardened men and massive yeah yeah massive strong body yeah. So anyone who doesn't know Aussie rules football, the the athletes are some of the fittest, hardest, toughest athletes in team sports in the world. Yep. Uh, and the impacts which they suffer is is, is substantial. Yep. So yeah, you put young kids. I, I took a, a, a screenshot of my t of my TV screen on on the weekend. There's one of our young, hot new recruits. Looks about twelve. Right? <laughs> right. Standing next, and he's got a man up against this player from Hawthorne who's all muscles and tattoos and like a shaved head. <laughs> So I took the screen capture and uh, I said, Dan, are you available to babysit me tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a kid, a kid and his uncle, right? Just, and he's going to play against this guy. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, it was, so it, was, it was a good, it was a good win. It was a, um, it was yeah. nice. I don't want to win too many because if you start winning, you don't get the bottom of the ladder, which we need to get the good picks of the draft. Right. You know? so yep. it's, it's, it's a delicate balance because we don't want to suffer 22 or 23 weeks losing No. to then lose the potential best player in the, in the draft because you, you won too many games. Yeah. You know, yep. you'd, rather, you'd rather suffer for another you know, dozen games this year and, uh, and get the best talent in the land and build from there. But that was still, it was nice to see a win. Absolutely. So, Good to see the process coming together. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, and your your mob won too, didn't they? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I remember. And, and I'm actually going to see my mob this Sunday. Are they playing? Is it? In they Sydney? are in Sydney this weekend playing GWS. How awesome for you! Yes, 
that's a pretty rare. We get two West Coast games in Sydney this year. We get one this one this weekend against Giants, and then we get another one against the Swans. Either I think it's early July. So, so I'm going to get to see two games, which is payback for last year when we didn't get any West Coast games yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't get many. We didn't get many games. We didn't get any games of Victoria at all. You couldn't. No, go to, you couldn't go to football at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We, yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway how's, how has your week been? My week's been okay. Yeah. Before I'd like to dedicate this episode. Oh yeah. If I could, and, and this is a, I know we've, I was going to do it earlier to on to the North Melbourne uh, Kangaroos. Uh, no, and this oh. is a serious one. No? Oh, so oh, okay. not, not not being frivolous for one. Okay. But tonight tonight recording tonight, we're recording on the twentieth of May. Tonight marks the twenty first anniversary of the death of my mate Mark Bateman. Oh. Who's a police officer. Right. And died on the job. Oh. So um let's dedicate this one to all those people who put their lives on the line for the safety and health of others. Absolutely. I'm I'm uh, completely yeah. behind that. Where yeah. where was he serving? Uh, he was in Melbourne, right? In a, he was in a, a pursuit in a in a in a patrol paddy wagon in a, in a van. Yep, and they went around the corner and clipped, uh, slightly clipped the car and went sideways, and the car went sideways into a pole. And the only part of the car that hit the pole was the part where the passenger, where the the driver, of the passenger sit. Yeah, the rest right. of the car was pretty much undamaged. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, Mark Bateman and Fiona Robertson, uh, senior constables. Right. Mark had. Uh, uh, his daughter Daisy, who actually plays for North Melbourne Football Club these days, right. she was one month old. Wow! And had another young kid at home, and Fiona, the other constable in the car, had been married a couple of weeks. Oh, jeez! And how did you know Mark? Oh, I grew up next next door to me. All oh, right. And the funny thing is, I mean, I hadn't I hadn't seen Mark since obviously since he died. Yeah, funny. <laughs> But I hadn't seen any of the any of the Bateman family. Yeah, so these live next door, and I went to the, the football. I took the girls to the football to see Daisy Bateman's twenty first. Sort of a, you know, thinking of him yeah. kind of thing. Yep. You know, knowing that he couldn't be. The, just do my little bit. You know, sure. And, and because of COVID, you get given particular seats. You have no choice where you sit. Oh, okay. Yep. Where they tell you to sit. So we sat yeah, you know, and, and it's all separation in those days. It was a you know, month or two ago. It was all you know, keeping social distancing. So it was about two rows. Uh, there's an empty row between us and the next lot of people. And the next people behind us are holding this big, happy, happy to be Daisy Bateman's 21st birthday, as I said, holding this big flag saying, happy birthday, Daisy. <laughs> and nice. um, looked around, and there's this guy sitting there, spinning image of Mark. Oh, wow. And it's his brother, his younger brother, oh. you know, who I grew up with as well, of course. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him in about 30 years. I've turned around and, and, and just to make sure, I said, you're a Bateman, aren't you? And he, so he goes, Glenn, they hadn't seen me at least... At least 30, 35 years, and he would have been a young, he probably would have been 10 himself in his old as well. Right. Recognize me. So I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Chris. Yeah. But it sounds good. So, tonight, yeah, it just, just, it just came up on my, on my Facebook feed today, just before recording. Yeah. Yeah, it's feeling a little melancholy, so I'll put, put it out there. And uh, if you happen to live in Portland, Victoria, your helipad. Uh, your emergency helicopter pad uh, at the hospital is named after Mark. So, yeah, right. Thank you to all those who do what they do. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Other than that, I did, I did a workshop on the weekend. My first nice. one in 14, 15 months or something. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I drove for uh, about eight hours to do a six-hour workshop. <laughs> that, that's right. Did you did you end up in the right town, though? I eventually did. But here's this. Yeah, this, this is how far to country Victoria I went, Bruce. Yeah. I was so far in country Victoria that I saw a man wearing a cowboy hat, non-ironically. 
Nice. Bang, way out in the countryside, you know. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, it's got to stand in front of me at the service station. It's like, well, look at that way out, you know. It's, just, it's yeah. not something you see every day, you know. Yeah. So um, I was I was somewhat somewhat rusty, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> couldn't remember. Because, you know, I did the normal thing. I don't bother looking at the slides before I go to the presentation to uh, remember what they say. <laughs> <laughs> So every every next slide was a surprise for all of us. Excellent. And and I have things in my presentation like it'll be just like a three word slide, just three words on it. Yeah. And I'll be going, gee, I wonder what comes next. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were they they kind of got that I was a bit rusty, so that was pretty good. And the day went well. Yeah, the model showed up, so she was my favourite kind of model. Yep. <laughs> I tell you, I, I was tired afterwards. Oh man, I had to drive home. I had to have two nano naps on the way home to make sure I didn't drive off the road. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, because well, it was night time by the time I was driving home. And one of them, I actually, yeah, don't tell, don't tell the missus, but I actually nodded off while I was driving 110 kilometres an hour. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, woke up and then pulled over the nearest, the nearest. And it wasn't one of those little, just tiny little, yeah, little fall. It was a, it was a good. <laughs> Wow, oh, like, well, that's not we're, good. We're close enough. That's no, not... it wasn't good. So I pulled over and had the twenty-minute nap. Yeah, but I had to have two of them on the way back because I was I was that tired. Yeah, right. Know? So uh, so, but uh, got home safe and sound. That's good. And all all, all fine and dandy. So yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's it. That's my, that's my week. Yeah, I am I am booked to be a lighting specialist <laughs> for a shoot on Monday night coming up. So after after set up all the lighting and provide the model yeah. for a guy to take photographs for a competition. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, right. So, I'll set everything up. He, he goes click with his point-and-shoot camera. And we do a few other poses, and then we all go home. <laughs> Except for him, whose house it is. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Right. Yeah. It's a bit, easy. bit underhanded, isn't it? Well, I'm getting paid, so not to me. Not, <laughs> no, for you it's not. It's all, it's all relative. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it is odd. You know? Yeah. But then again, every workshop, not every workshop, but a lot of my workshops, I hear people tell me how they won competitions with the images they shot at my workshops. Oh, really? All happens all the time. Wow. You know, I see people get into international awards Yeah. with photos that, well, effectively, it's my photo that they've, Press the button, yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's what floats you. I don't care. You know, it doesn't worry me. You know, it's not. No, as, you, not as you say, you're precious. getting paid. That's the main thing. Yeah, I'm not precious about any of that sort of stuff. You yeah. know, they could they could steal one of my photos off the internet and submit it. I would probably put in my. Who cares? Yeah. So yeah, so that was it, and then uh, I had two consulting jobs for Monday and four, and one of them fell through, unfortunately. Oh, okay. One was a light was a lighting. I'm not sure I mentioned it last week. A lighting consultant for how to photograph painting accessories. Right. Yes, you did mention that. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out that, uh, the, the poor guy is so overwhelmed. And he can't get any answers from the people, his, his dealers who he supplies the product to for what they need for the website as far as dimensions and looks and oh, so on. So, what? But he's got over 3,500 items need photographed. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So, so I said, just put them all in a couple of big boxes, send them to me. I'll photograph them all over a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, give myself a nice couple of weeks' wages. Yeah, and uh, but I'm not back. But uh, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to, I get to sleep in on Monday, which is uh, which is good. <laughs> so, you know, 
because you know working so hard. Yeah, it's my it's my, it's my youngest daughter's tenth birthday party on Saturday. So oh, been, excellent! And she's having a party at home, uh, movie party. So I've been out trying to get props and doing all sorts of weird and wacky stuff right. this week for, <laughs> to make it special for. Her. So I'm so after you've had a bunch of little kids in your house. I'll need Monday to have a bit of a nap. Oh, I think you will. Yeah. Yeah, so I just trying to convince my wife to go to work in her office in the city. <laughs> so there's no evidence of just how long that that went for. <laughs> Excellent idea. Yeah, when they turn when they turn it to four or five hours, <laughs> yeah, there, there tends to be some objection because nothing else got done. Right. <laughs> Don't see why. Anyway. Since 2005, Shutters Inc. has been a labour of love, but beyond the time required to produce it, there was also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. So, what have you got to talk about? And then we'll talk about the stuff I want to talk about. Okay, well, I only came up with two things today. That's actually why I wanted you to go first, because I think it would be... So, the first is that it looks as though Instagram might be going to bring to market the ability to upload images from your web browser. So for those who like to post to Instagram, and I'll put my hand up there and go, yeah, I don't mind every now and again. It's one of the frustrations that at the moment you can only upload via your mobile device. I think a lot of people would like to be able to do some post-production on their photos at their desktop or laptop and then simply upload the finished product from there straight to Instagram. And, of course, at the moment, that's not available. But it turns out that they are currently testing it in-house. It's beta only for, you know, people who work at Instagram. But it would suggest, you know, if, if they are working on it, then there's a fairly high likelihood that somewhere down the track we will actually see that feature rolled out, which would be good. Well, every now and then they do... I've had access in the past right. to upload directly to a computer. Right. There is a hack which I use all the time. Really? Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if this works in all browsers, but it certainly does work in Chrome. If you create a new tab and you go yeah. to your Instagram account, and you know, you've obviously got to be logged in, but then you right-click on the white space of the page, and from the pop-up menu, the very bottom option says Inspect. And when you click on inspect, you get the uh, inspector window appears on the right hand side of the the browser, but you then have the ability to view your Instagram feed the way it appears on a mobile device. And I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but when I first do it, the mobile displayed version of my Instagram feed comes up in the left-hand side of the browser window, but it doesn't have the buttons across the bottom. But all you do is then hit F5 in your browser, and that refreshes the page, and then you get the upload button as well. And so then you can just hit upload, and then you get a standard, in my case, Windows dialog box that allows you to point to whatever folder you've got your image in, and then you yeah. select your image and off you go. So that certainly works in Chrome. Like I said, I don't know if it works in other browsers or if it's only applicable to Chrome, but, yeah, that's how I post my images to my Instagram account. 
I had to upload my photo to Facebook, then copy it onto my phone, then upload it. Oh, jeez, <laughs> that's tedious. It's a complete pain in the bum. And the thing is, Facebook is going to recompress the image that you've uploaded. Exactly. Yeah. So by exactly. the time you've got it to Instagram, it's like third generation. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So it tends to make my photos look better. <laughs> And, even, and if they look crap, then I've got an excuse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's the uh, algorithms. They, yeah. they crunch out. They've taken out all the good pixels of all the good stuff. No, there's the bad ones behind. That's it. I hate it when they do that. Yeah. They just leave all the, all the boring stuff, all the, all the good stuff that was in the photo. It's on my computer. You should see it. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so if that feature does come somewhere down the track, that will be a, a blessing for many. Uh, and the other story that I came across was another photographer we can add to the list of people we don't like. Uh, yeah. This is a very creative collection of images. Photographer looks at you through animals' eyes in these creative self-portraits. So Flora Borsi is her name, and they are... All, all self-portraits, but with different animals included in the shots, and just yeah, obviously some great post-production work going on here. Yeah. But very clever, just the concept. What do you comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good question. Yeah, no, I reckon the puffin one is the brilliant. Puffins, the puffins are there, but do you reckon that's a, a separate shot of a puffin? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think any of them were actually shot with her and the animal. I reckon so all of them are. I mean, the lighting, the lighting looks so damn close on them. It certainly does. Tell. It does look. But it's certainly not the fish. Yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely, yeah. But my favourite actually is the beetle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, the beetle for the eye. Yep. The beetle and the leaves. Yep. Yeah. That's really, uh, really, it's freaky. It's yeah, very it's, clever stuff. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's, really, it's really caught the attention of the comment section, too. Oh. <laughs> Of course it has. <laughs> do do uh, share some of the comments with us. <laughs> Zero comments. Oh, what? Yeah, that's because someone who's actually got talent <laughs> has put something up. So what happens? <laughs> yes. It goes nowhere. No, all you know, all the like keyboard warriors concede defeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, there's no point. Oh, I could have done that better. Well, you didn't. Yeah, but I could have. Yeah. Um, what, what camera was that used with? Yeah. All the, all, all the stuff that they've gone about. How many pixels is that photo? Uh, is gone. So uh, they've got nothing. They've yeah. Got nothing. And it's like all the good stuff getting put up gets no comments. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, great, great collection of images. I highly recommend yeah, checking them out. I posted two images on my Facebook just tonight. Oh, okay. From the 1920s. Right. And one of them... One Look, of them I knew a, you a were old, but really? I know. <laughs> one of them is from a policeman yeah. hanging from um, a rafter on a building like 30 stories high. Doesn't that you go know, against the community New standards, mate? <laughs> you know those old classic New York photos uh, with the, the guy standing on the girders? Yeah. Yeah, the construct building. So it's, it's like that kind of shot. But that, so he's basically those guys now go standing doing headstands on top of the you know, tall buildings for Instagram photos. So he he came up with that stuff. Right. Even there us hundred years ago, and the other one was four guys doing a selfie <laughs> with a box camera. With a box camera, you know, a hundred years ago. I love it. They invented the selfie. You know, it's just a classic. That's you know, epic. So I thought they were pretty funny. That's great. And so I saw those. I saw those. And it started for me to prompt to think, well, what other old stuff is out there that's interesting? 
So I went to the Guggenheim, not physically, because I was online. <laughs> yes. And they've got 60,000 free books of all sorts of subjects. And I found a photography book by Arthur Conan Doyle. Wow. Exactly. So I, um, I put a link there if anyone wants to download it. And, uh, now, the link says Gutenberg, not Guggenheim. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. you, want, you want me to be literal <laughs> and specific and accurate? <laughs> We better go back to podcast up episode one. And start all over. Again. <laughs> if that's what you're after. I think we had. <laughs> take everything off, offline and start <laughs> from scratch. So anyway, the Arthur Conan Doyle book uh, is the case for spirit photography by Arthur Conan Doyle. So that's so that's kind of interesting. With corroborative evidence by experienced researchers and photographers. There we are. Right. That's free to download, should you feel the from the Gutenberg, which is not the not the Guggenheim <laughs> or the Google. Yeah. But I did find one that was not as non facetious, yeah. which is airplane photography from nineteen twenty. Wow. That would so have I mean, been so, cutting hey, edge for its not day. Very old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Photography's not and flying's not very old. So yeah. you put those two things together, yeah. you know. Right? So, so it's done by Herbert E. Ives. Yeah, uh, is Major Aviation Section Signal Officers Reserves Corps, United States Army, lately officer in charge of Experimental Department Photographic Branch Air Service. Experimental wow. Department Photography. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is fabulous, and it's dedicated to my wife. A helpful critic, even though she neither photographs nor flies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was pretty cool. And I, and I haven't read through it, but I mean, there's, there's, there's some pretty cool looking pictures by itself. Yeah. But I, mean, if you, I reckon if you were interested in this type of photography, it'd be really cool to go back and read what the challenges were like to, to they had to deal with and yeah, with you know, actually be able to capture these shots. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Once again, free download. Yeah. Nice. But then, then I found some tips from the past. Oh, okay. I know how much the podcast loves a good tip. Yes. So I'm <laughs> going to read a few out. There'll be a link to the book at the end. Okay. okay. So the first one is gear, the eternal question of gear. Yep. Okay. The first question, invariably asked, is as to the nature of the output required. We should here like to divide our reply into two divisions, the one concerning the mountaineer and the other the ordinary tourists. For the former, we have no doubt in our minds then a hand camera to take a quarter plate or five by four pictures is the most convenient form of camera to take. Okay. So what we would consider to be a large format camera these days <laughs> yeah. is their little hand camera they recommend taking. Yep. This is all this is this is from eighteen ninety eight. Yep. With the twelve by ten camera being the more convenient for the tourist. Right. That's, so that's a twelve by ten inch plate. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is and it goes on, with some hand cameras, there is a means of attachment to a stand. But a stand on a mountain is difficult to use and, moreover, has on more than one occasion been proved to be dangerous to carry. The mountaineer, if he desires to give a time and not an instantaneous exposure on his excursion, would do well to have a small clip ready to attach to the head of his ice axe. <laughs> So you, you put your ice axe and then you mount your camera to your ice axe. And you use your ice axe as a monopod. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the usual method of holding the hand camera would, under such circumstances, prove a failure so far as sharpness of image is concerned. 
pressed against his middle or upper chest, the beatings of the heart will record themselves on the photograph. Under such, such, such circumstances, a resort must be had to some form of support under which the camera is to be rested. After many years of experience, the writer has come to the conclusion that there is no support superior to the ISAX. <laughs> so there you go. Somebody needs to tell Manfrotto that. <laughs> but yeah, but put, put the camera to your chest, recording the heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the photograph. Uh, there was, there was one, one uh, which I haven't copied, and people can go and read it through and find it, where it's saying that in this particular circumstance, you can handhold it because the heartbeats do not uh, resonate through the fingers. Right. <laughs> so it'll be steadier. Yeah. Okay. I like this one. This is a little excerpt as I was going along. Photographers in England are rarely afflicted with breathlessness through exertion. <laughs> is he saying they're lazy? <laughs> uh, maybe because their mountains aren't higher. I don't know. But, you know, I I think he's saying English people are lazy. <laughs> that's what I'm pretty picking up on. You know. Uh, so here's, here's not there is not a large proportion of alpine views taken on the mountainside of which one would care to have anything but a memorandum. <laughs> There's no photos you could take up a mountain that would be of any worth other than just a snapshot. <laughs> Clearly really? not a landscape lover. <laughs> Surely the, yeah, the point of going up there is to see stuff. Not yeah, just to go up there. You would have thought on, so. On thought. And then, then uh, looking at uh, things like uh, composition and how to photograph, I thought it was interesting. Right. You know, what was it like 123 years ago? And some of this was really good. So not all being facetious. So this one, when we look at a powerful and impressive picture, we feel at once the sentiment. Our emotions are at once stirred. Subsequently, we recognise objects and facts portrayed, but only when we begin to look for them or think about them. But a gross exaggeration or a very obvious error strikes us at once before we begin to receive sentiments and ideas. And that error or exaggeration once seen is never lost sight of. And the whole enjoyment of the picture is hopelessly marred. Okay. So he's saying, you know, you've got this fabulous picture and then you've got this one element so incongruent to what you're trying to say in the image. Right. That you can't help but look at it. Yep. Yeah. And it ruins the entire picture because... In your, t- you didn't take the time to craft your shot better, right? Yeah, which is which is still a, a salient point when we're learning photography. This is a absolutely is a big goal. We have to the big step we have to get past is the crap that we leave in our photographs that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and it says here, and this is I love this one. This is this is probably the, the best description I've ever heard. Uh, in removing distractions, okay, it's my headlines: removing distractions. The painter and photographer start from two opposite standpoints. The painter or draftsman starts with nothing but blank paper and, having built up his picture and produced his desired effect, he elaborates no further. The photographer, with his more or less mechanically produced facsimile, starts from the opposite extreme with a transcendentally elaborate image from which he will be required to eliminate all such excess of truth as is likely to force the mere facts of the view upon the beholder's attention. Nice. So again... Eliminating all that is, yeah. So, so a painter, you get to choose what you include. Yeah. By you just simply don't paint the thing in that's distracting. But a photographer, yeah, doesn't have that luxury necessarily. But I would say maybe in the modern day of photography, we do because we can see the scene. And I'll say, and I'll say this on the weekend in the workshop. Sometimes we have to include the thing we don't want in the shot for, to to make sure the rest of the composition works. But in the shooting, we know full well in Photoshop we're going to clone that out. Yeah. 
Sure. You know? Yeah. So that's like the painter leaving that element out. And yeah. that's a choice not to paint it in there. But we have to, to take it one step further. But again, uh, it's, it's a matter of seeing what we're trying to say in the photograph and removing all those elements that aren't you know, important in the shot. Yeah. And that old, that old saying about Michael, the guy who asked Michelangelo, how, how does he carve statues out of those big blocks of marble? And uh, Michelangelo just simply said, well, I just carve away everything that's not the statue. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is fairly yeah, succinct, but it's true. Yeah, what makes a great photograph? Well, when you eliminate everything that's not the great photograph. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You yep. just what's left is the is the great photograph. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good for it. Yeah, you know, some things just don't change. Yeah. Composition, however, now we did go into more detail, but this is how we started. In this, we have one of the first rules in composition, namely that the principal object should be near the centre. Uh, and the next most important, near to, and as it were, supporting it. And no object likely to attract the eye should be so near the, the edge of the picture as to make us instantly conscious of the boundaries and wish to see more beyond. Right. So, hey, everything, everything should be in the middle. And don't have anything interesting towards the edge of the Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was over there? Yeah, <laughs> it eventually goes on, because he's trying to teach new photographers. Right, yeah, and um, and and he builds up to different compositional you know, ideas. Yeah, one of my favourite areas, of course, was go- I had to go look at the portraits. Of course, for portraits. Yeah, as you know, so here's a good tip, and I'm going to take this straight into into my uh, into my photography. Right, a headrest should not be used unless absolutely necessary, and few photographers are aware how easily it can be dispensed with, and fail to realise how strong an objection nearly every sitter has to it. So when you're taking your photograph, maybe you're doing your next headshot, don't put them in a headrest that restricts movement of their head. That's good tip, Bruce. He says here, it's far better to have an occasional plate spoiled by working without the rest than to make every sitter uncomfortable by its use. Fair enough. Fair enough. And of course, back in those days, the exposures might have been 10 seconds long. So hence the headrest, so you don't move your head. And then, when taking portraits in an ordinary room, it is usual to place the sitter near the window. This is good stuff again, by the way. Uh, place the sitter near the window so that one side of the face is strongly lighted and the other in deep shadow. And then, use a white reflector to light up the shadow side. Yeah, nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. Nice and simple. Yeah. Um, it's often better when the window is a large one to place the sitter farther back in the room, almost facing the window, and put the camera near the middle of the window looking into the room. Again, mm-hmm. great advice, because if the room's if the window's big enough, you're not going to be blocking any substantial light by standing there. Yep. Um, and they're going to have this great big mass of salt box basically filling their face. Yep. So again, pretty good pretty good advice. That's a, so it's just giving two really good lighting tips for two great-looking portraits yep. in one sentence, which is pretty good. Uh, for outdoor portraits, a shady corner is best. So put them in the shade, don't put them in the sun. And if possible, where uh, one where the side light is much subdued on one side. And uh, a light uh, head shade may be used with advantage. So, you know, something that blocks a bit of light coming on can be good. With a shadow, even in the shade, you ought to have some you know, difference between one side of the face and the other. That's pretty good. But here's something I think we've given up doing. A large grey rug out of focus makes a good background. Now, I can't remember the last time I seen a photographer put a rug up behind a subject <laughs> as a background. 
I mean, who's going to roll up a big rug and take it with them? I mean, really, it's, it's quite ridiculous. And, but a blanket, by the way, is too light. So you, that's why they went the rugs, because the, yeah, the blankets are too light. The, the, the light comes through it, and you yeah. block out light well enough. So it's interesting stuff. Ultimate success, by the way, often depends less on knowing what to take and how to take it uh, than on a well-trained judgment which knows what is good or bad when we have taken it. Nice. Good advice again, yeah? Yeah. So, or it'd be, I would even go as far as to say before we take it. You know, knowing what's good and what's not good before we take it is probably a good idea. Yeah. So there's a link there to that to that little one. And then I, so I thought that's that some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, then I came across this uh, this futuristic book, right? Uh, which is more more a bit of uh, science fiction fantasy for the sort of likes to read, and that has something about photography. It's called the Prophetic Camera, Ooh. and it's apparently it's this camera that can photograph the future. Right, it sounds like a bit like, like a bit like a Twilight Twilight Zone episode, which I thought <laughs> was pretty good. And then this one here, Tom Swift and his Wizard Camera. There's another book on uh, on that includes photography as part of its uh, its uh, stuff. Right. Uh, mag- this this is sort of magic photography. Well, the magic photography is part of it, but this one's teaching you how to take a photograph, put uh, using a particular technique and paper and so and, and, and paper and rolling it up inside a cigar, you know, like a cigar like a cigar holder. Okay. You know? And then you blow smoke through the cigar holder and the chemicals in the smoke from the cigar develop the photograph. Wow. Okay. So the magic trick is you show someone that there's nothing inside there, then you light up the cigar, take the puff, and you take the, the holder off, and there's a photograph inside. Nice. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was pretty cool. And there's all sorts of other tricks in this one, in this thing about, uh, which is, once again, spirit photography and, and all sorts of things. And I thought, yeah. And then there's, there's all sorts of ideas, like how to do uh, silhouette photos, how to do just a gamut of weird and unusual <laughs> photography, which I'm sure, and I haven't gone through all of it, but I'm sure there's going to be stuff in there that people aren't doing anymore. Yeah, and there right. could be some cool little, cool little projects there to to do. Yeah, this is like photographing on photographs on silk, right? And photographing on different fabrics, all sorts of cool stuff that might be of interest. Who is one photographing the invisible? Right, uh, curious and interesting experiment based upon a peculiar property possessed by fluorescent substances of altering the refrangibility of the chemical light rays. Take a color, colorless solution of bisulfate of quinine. And write or draw with it on a piece of white paper. When dry, the writing or design will be invisible, but a photograph made of it will show them very neatly in black, or very nearly black. That's wow. interesting. Uh, how to make a photograph inside a bottle. <laughs> Photographs in any colour. I'll have an old red, please. A disappearing <laughs> photograph. So it makes it so this photograph just disappears as, you, as you're moving around. Freak pictures with a black background. That's what, kind of what I do. <laughs> oh, this one's got head head chopped off. Oh, look at that. That's interesting. <laughs> this one's a, it's a, a, a head in a wheelbarrow. It's a very large head. Yeah. So there's all sorts of bizarre things from yeah, 120 years ago for what people are experimenting doing with photographs. Yeah, nice. So um, I thought, yeah, here's character, how to do character photographs. Uh, <laughs> I thought it could be kind of, kind of fun for people who want to know. Maybe they're doing a 365 project and they're running out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> This has all sorts of great, crazy and interesting stuff, yeah. That's so, cool. um, yeah, bizarre. And once again, we look at where our, our um, industry has come from. 
is really quite fascinating. So yeah, um, so that was it. That's 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 the, all the research I did for the week was I just mucked around by looking at interesting cool stuff of the past. Yeah, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. I thought I was a little worried that it might kind of bring down the tone of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, talk, talking about photography and stuff. But you know, once I don't know, once every hundred episodes is probably okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> too, too often we lose too many listeners, but uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And that was it. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. excellent. We've done well. So, you got any more workshops lined up this week? Not this week. No, I, I, I've just taken on a July seventeen workshop for another camera club. Nice. And I'm I'm probably putting my first CPW one on the end of July. I'm contemplating starting it cool. starting from July. So, um, um, I'm in the of planning my European holiday. Right. And I need money. Money helps. So yep. I thought maybe if I worked, I could get some. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, no, so it's a novel concept, but we'll give it a shot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's how it works, Bruce, in this world. Absolutely. Because I tell you, my, me, 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 uh, I'm winning. I'm winning, though, at, uh, at the cryptocurrency. Are you? Winning. Oh, yeah. If it's a race to the bottom, I'm, I'm, uh, you... I'm halfway there, Bruce. <laughs> I'm halfway there. It's certainly looking like the uh, the top came a little earlier than I thought it was going to. Oh, it's, just, it's a mere hiccup. It's a mere oh, hiccup, Oh, I don't know about that. No, it is. It I'm is looking that. at no, Ethereum not... now. It's at three and a half grand. It was over five grand, you know, it was a five, week ago. Six. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was, it's, down, it's down two grand. But uh, that's okay, because <laughs> uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin it's... was down 30. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a mere mere blip in the road, mate. You watch in uh, six weeks' time, it will be back up. Well, we'll see. This is this is not financial advice, but don't sell whatever you do. <laughs> I, if you if you, if you I, I bought more, I bought in more today. I yeah. bought more. If you're looking to buy some Bitcoin, Glenn's got some to sell you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm, I'm buying. 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 Right. Okay. I, I invested. I invested more money today. Hey, but the prices they're at. Yeah, but I haven't bought, I haven't bought in Bitcoin because the amount of money I'm investing is so it wouldn't even buy me a fifteenth of a coin. Well, it doesn't matter. That's the whole point, though. You can still buy Bitcoin. You can buy it like a yeah, millionth yeah, of a the, coin. Yeah, but the problem is the potential return is so small. No, the return yeah. is still the same no, no, regardless no, no, no. of how no, much you bought. No, it's not. If, if I buy a hundred, let's say I buy a hundred dollars of the Bitcoin, yeah. and bit, Bitcoin goes up, doubles in value. Yeah, I'm at two hundred dollars. Okay, yeah. if I buy twenty five dollars of four coins that look like they're way down yeah. and could triple or quadruple or more in value, yeah, because we're talking they're so cheap. Well, if I quadruple instead of double, I'm making more money. Oh, absolutely. I thought I thought you were saying that buying a small amount of Bitcoin is not oh no the same as no. buying a, a large amount. I'm looking I'm looking I'm looking at retiring, Bruce. I can't right. afford to yeah. buy ten dollars of Bitcoin and <laughs> try and hope to retire from there. That's not going to happen. Right. But but there's ones that I know are going to be successful uh, based on what they're bringing to market and what they're looking at doing, hmm. and they're they've and they've plummeted. Yeah, you know, not just yeah forty percent. They've dropped maybe sixty seventy percent. Well, it's yeah. time to buy. Yeah, you know, especially I've already invested in them, so I'm buying more as they go down. So my overall exposure yep. across all, I've bought, I bought one coin five times now. Yep. Yeah. So what? Yeah, and a different drop. So now my overall cost is is low. low. Yeah. Yeah. So when they go up, whoosh, I'm in the fake money. Yes. I'm in the fake money. <laughs> but here's the thing: my wife, she's in the financial world. Yeah. She gave me, she gave me some what she thought was good financial advice today. Uh, I personally refuse to heed it. 
right. the A because she said it, B because uh, I'm male. Apparently, having your 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 cryptocurrency wallet open and spinning to see if it's changed every twelve seconds isn't sound financial future proofing advice. Yeah, you should maybe just don't look at it every twelve seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's gone down six cents. Oh, it's gone up twelve cents. Oh, it's gone down three. Apparently, that's not a way to invest. Right. Yeah. Unless you're a day trader. Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway, so so if anyone's got some cryptocurrency they want to sell at yeah one tenth of what they're selling for at the moment, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll take it. Excellent. I'll take it all. Excellent. Beautiful. All right, matey, will you have a good week? I shall. I shall. And um, next week I'll report on the lighting fiasco, taking photos. Excellent. We'll see how it went. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to see, it. <laughs> see, see if I earn my money or not. I might. I might try and do a few sneaky sneak photos myself just for. The sake of it. Fair enough. Yeah, and uh, see if they're any good. Cool. All right, mate. Talk to you then. Well, it's been lovely, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye. This is episode 508, signing off. You've been listening to Shutters, Inc. For questions, comments, and feedback, email theboys at shuttersincpodcast.com. Right.